0: Okay, good evening or good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to our governance roundtable. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Before we start, I'd just like to share a little bit. Basically, this is an initiative by the Asia DeFi Network, and I'm Shikai from Longhash Ventures. And today, we want to facilitate an open conversation about governance. Now, just a bit of background, which I'm sure all of us are super familiar, right? We're still super early in DeFi and governance, but there's a very clear social consensus that we want to move towards like community-owned and community-governed uh, protocols with so many benefits, as we all know, censorship resistance, anti-fragility, and so on. So in this spirit, uh, this... Conversation will also be recorded, and we will also share it uh, widely after the session. And we will also be putting together a research piece based on our conversation today, as well as any points and learnings uh, in the future from public uh, discourse as well. Uh, And we will share that piece of research publicly too. Now, so that we can all understand the flow for today, let's uh, pull up the agenda. We're going to have two longer sharing sessions. From Aave and Synthetics, we have Stanley and Jordan with us. And then after that, we're going to go through 15 minutes each from everyone's perspectives around the round table, from investor perspective, as well as uh, Balancer Akala and SIDAP on various decentralization journeys. So, in order to make the conversation a bit more guided and structured, we have already taken the liberty to facilitate the conversation across three major buckets. I want to talk about, firstly, the structure of governance, and then what are processes and tools, and then the engagement and incentives. So under structure, we're talking about, you know, firstly, what do we decentralize, you know, from the simplest level of like a pool of grants to then more complex things like uh, maybe incentivizing uh, some asset pools or uh, bringing new assets to the most kind of like critical core protocol features or even governance. And we can do this via a few archetypes, you know, be it just like very simple open proposals, or having some sort of guardrails through some kind of committees, or going through a very strict kind of like subcommittee or sub-DAO structure. And then to implement these proposals as well, we want to go through uh, you know, the various steps, be it like discussion, the proposal, iteration, and then execution of the proposals. And finally, for the engagement and incentives, I'm going to talk about you know, who, who can vote, how much voting power, what incentives to even vote or participate, and the softer human side of how do we encourage people uh, to kind of join and amplify and reward people for being part of the community. So we have put together some of the questions here to guide us in each of our sharing, be it from, you know, uh, from everyone from the round table. So feel free to use this as a guide, uh, but also kind of like add in, feel free to flow with the conversation. Well, then it'll be a great pleasure to invite Stani to share with us the uh, decentralization journey or like the the case study going deep into the governance for Aave and the approach you have taken and trade-offs and challenges that you are thinking over to you Stanley. Hey
1: everyone uh, happy to be here to share some uh, experience uh, kind of like what how was the um, the journey of the to, to kind of like Team, team focused uh, deployment of contracts uh, into what we have now a uh, decentralized governance and and protocol owned uh, by the community uh, what's interesting about Aave as a community and as a project is that we uh, we, we started to build uh, our very first protocol back in uh, 2016 2017 and and uh, during that time, we, we first focused on just creating um, proof of concept smart contracts and just building uh, community around w- our first iterations. That was time before uh, DeFi was what even as a term, and and <laughs> there wasn't much of a composability or uh, DeFi protocols uh, at that moment. And at some point. Uh, we, we started to create, um, as we saw that the community started to grow more. Uh, we were thinking like how we could uh, empower the community and get them more involved and be part of what we're building. And we pretty much decided to uh, distribute uh, governance power. But in the beginning, what was uh, different is that we, we still wanted to keep uh, uh, the, uh, the deployments and and the governance of the uh, protocol still in the hands of the team in the very uh, beginning, which is uh, quite normal. And pretty much like the main reason everyone is doing this and uh, especially learning protocols is that uh, there's quite a lot of uh, risk involved in terms of, uh, let's say, if there's some sort of like a technical uh, issue, uh, let's say uh, some sort of a uh Error in the in the smart contracts or or in the economics that has been uh, implemented. Uh, the the dif- difficulty is that if if there is funds in in the protocol and if if the governance is from the day one, what happens is that it's very difficult to actually go and uh, mitigate those kind of like a security vulnerabilities if if those happens, and especially as as kind of like a DeFi protocols are growing quite a lot. Uh, there's currently, uh, I think, roughly 13 billion worth of uh, value locked in the Aave protocol itself. It's the biggest uh, DeFi protocol at the moment. Uh, and, and in total, 21 billion, including like the, the accounting uh, measures, so including the, the collateral in the protocol, but also the, the borrowed funds that is owned back to the protocol. So in, in that sense, uh, the the governance aspects and 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 how you go from let's say uh would say like team owned uh building into something where uh the protocol is governed by the community and and also any improvements to the protocol is done by the the community and voted upon the governance uh it's very um uh, cruci- crucial uh journey and and what we found especially like for landing protocols uh we we try to uh, intensively mitigate any kind of uh, technical risks in, involved there and also kind of apply uh, governance minimization wherever we can because governance as a tool is uh, is to some extent uh, uh, also like burdensome because you have a process of how you get things changed into the protocol. So what we try to usually do is that we, we try to uh, let most of the kind of like a heavy lifting in, in the protocol and, and changes related to that uh, done by more of uh, mathematics. So let's say that we don't change interest rate formulas uh, by governance on a periodic basis. Instead, we we have a, a certain type of interest rate formula that is based on the market conditions, supply and demand. And, and for example, this allows allows us actually to have less governance involvement on, on changing uh, that uh, kind of like a, interest rate formula. And then if there is some sort of market conditions that are unexpected, then the governance can come and, and change actually that particular formula. So we try to apply governance minimization uh, wherever we, we, we can, but in certain aspects, it's not doable. For example, when it comes to asset listings and uh, assessing risks of, of those different different kinds of assets, let's say, if there's a new asset that, that the community wants to, to, to list, there is particular uh, peculiarities that we need to review from risk perspective, such as the liquidity risk, uh, uh, technical risk of that particular asset, and and also be the, the the market risk. And those kind of things uh, you kind of require human involvement, and you can't live for mathematics or have governance minimization in in that part to to have uh, you know kind of like a, a scalability on on asset listing. And what we actually done with the other community is we created this risk framework, which actually means that uh, anyone from the other community can actually uh, suggest an asset to be listed, but with the conditions of they review the, uh, the risk framework and, and apply it in a way that, uh, that reflects uh, the, the risk parameters of that, that new asset reflects the, the risk framework. And if it's aligned, it's it most likely the community will vote that assets into the uh, system. And this is like a very interesting way where you have uh, open community uh, managing a risk of the protocol, which is uh, fascinating because end of the day, these protocols vary in the future, pretty much like how they manage the risk. So if there's other protocol, there is maker protocol, for example, and we both have Completely different kinds of uh, risk uh, dynamics there, so that's that's kind of like a key component. Like we try to like we try to use governance as least as possible, mainly for the reason of of, of the, the process is quite uh, uh, burdensome, uh, and and try to leave everything that we can in for uh, mathematics and automatization, But where actually you need human involvement, their community. Uh, based approach with with the governance is very good solution. And one of the newest things that we see is uh, understood uh, during this process is that some of the functions still need uh, human involvement and and community uh, governance, but uh, you might need just some less burdensome mechanisms. And that might be, for example, grants. If you have a grants program in, in your community, you might not want to have like the the same voting process as you would vote. Let's say an asset, a, a new asset into the protocol, change the risk parameters, or upgrade uh, current version of the protocol to something new. Instead, you might just want to uh, kind of like a um, uh, do decision making in a more robust way. So what we have done is that we started to create now sub DAOs, and one of the first sub DAO. Uh, is the uh, Aave Grants DAO, which actually created one big proposal to to the uh, <coughs> the main Aave DAO, and meaning that uh, they requested funds, a certain amount, uh, so that they can actually further uh, give those uh, funds in form of uh, grants to the applicants that has been accepted. And this kind of like a pro- process uh, gives more flexibility, and then you don't need all the token holders to to. Oh, I mean, the threshold of the token holders to uh, vote upon, let's say, smaller things like grants uh, or let's say some sort of promotional uh, efforts within the community or educational content and, and related to finance, uh, for example, and financing those uh, efforts. So that's kind of like a model that we we have followed. And uh, I would say the, 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 the challenging part for us now is to think, uh, let's say, how in the future, the, the protocol can be, uh, let's, let's say, up, upgraded into a newer version because innovation is constant, right? So uh, even if you have a uh, protocol that has protocol market fit, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that will be always the case. So you have this constant innovation cycle where you have to keep up with, especially in decentralized finance, it's, it's uh, very much uh, quick in the sense because we have an open environment, everyone can look at your code and actually fairly quickly uh, take your code and improve it and, and create another protocol that might have more efficiency and, and that attracts more liquidity. In that sense, we're thinking now like how we can actually uh, deploy new protocols and do it safely at the same time. Uh, and and without kind of like a, having to actually then uh, keep any kind of like administrative keys uh, by the team or have some sort of like a community-based uh, key management in, in in that sense. And in terms of the actual uh, tactical things related to governance, uh, I would say like governance participation is, is fairly good in the Ava protocol. There isn't that much like controversial bolts, uh, mainly because our governance has been structured in a way that before you usually create a AIP, so the Aave improvement proposal. Uh, first thing you actually are doing is that you create so-called requests for comments into the uh, governance forum, governance.aave.com. That generates kind of like discussion and g- gives a bit of time for the community to digest the proposal. And what this essentially allows us to do is that uh, you can temperature check the, uh, the, uh, the, the proposal, and, and see how the community reacts. And if there's positive reactions there, uh, there's a likely chance that that proposal will succeed and, and goes into the uh, AIP part where you actually create on-chain code. And at the same time, then you put the, the proposal on-chain for voting for the governance. And this is kind of like important because uh, it saves resources of not creating proposals that d- doesn't have uh, success in, in the future. And at the same time, one of the interesting things about other governance is that uh, necessarily n- there need to be a token holder to put proposals on chain. So we we have not only uh, vote delegation so that you can delegate votes to let's say so-called uh, protocol politicians, but you could, for example, delegate also proposition power separately from voting power to developers that can create proposals. This essentially creates a uh, institutional mechanism where You have so-called like code lawmakers creating those proposals, and then protocol politicians voting on them. This is some some kind of like an interesting uh, dynamic that we want to see grow in the future. Now we're trying to also figure out like how we can incentivize uh, developers to actually kind of like a create DAOs where they 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 get the delegation a proposition power delegation, and they craft those proposals. Uh, maybe against some sort of uh incentive or some some particular uh relationship and and then kind of like have the separability of of who create the the code and who vote on the on 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 the uh code and that's that's pretty much like what what is happening uh recently and of course like the gas fees are one of the issues and and of course like abe itself is a uh cross-chain uh, environment so we, we have the main layer one market but then we have also the market in, in, in Polygon uh, in Matic and we always try to deploy in, in wherever we can actually so be as inclusive as possible when it comes to the markets and, and infrastructure we have and what we are doing working now is that we are creating a governance bridge uh, which means that you can on layer one Vote on on decisions on the Matic market. So you vote on layer one, and then with the governance bridge, those decisions are propagated into the Matic and executed. And then doing the same vice versa, so that you can vote in Matic, and they're propagated into uh, the layer one. And this could be interesting because it decreases the 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 actually participation cost on the governance with the gas fees. And the gas fees is actually something that we have received feedback that you know it's quite costly to. To, to vote on these proposals. And, and it definitely kind of like limits the uh, scope of participating on, on these proposals. Uh, so that's kind of like a thing we are trying to solve. And of course, like we support uh, snapshots as well. So that's the one option. You basically vote uh, off chain and someone just puts the the actual result on chain. And, and then we have different kinds of like fraud prevention mechanisms to uh, deal if, if the proposal isn't uh, legit. and also, like the peculiar part about other governance itself, also is that uh, the you can vote itself on the token economics and and the the token itself. So the ERC twenty is upgradable, but with a higher higher uh, way higher threshold. So you need uh, pretty much twenty uh, percent of the total supply to make any kind of changes. And this is important because uh, we know by our kind of like a previous understanding is that there will be always innovation in token level itself. And if if you are able to upgrade the token in the future with, with your community, it means that you don't need to do any kind of like a token migrations in the future. And, and you can just innovate on the token level itself as well. And good example is how tokens have, uh, governance tokens changed over time is that uh, like during last year, many of the tokens have uh, Vote delegation, which didn't exist previously, and if your token didn't have that, that means that that means that you have to migrate your token from to, to a completely new ERC-20. It's just a technicality, but just show, showcases like things that you need to consider when you uh, build and 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 have governance and and uh, token-based governance in a uh, uh, ecosystem which moves uh, very quickly yeah and i guess like one of the things that we are trying to also achieve is that we as a community members like leaders are trying to more be more active in voting uh not just in in the other governance but let's say in synthetics governance and, and other uh, protocols and the idea here actually is that we believe at the that uh you know governance will be inclusive in the future so even in some of the markets in all you could vote with other tokens uh where, you know, there is some sort of relevance. For example, we deployed AMM market where you can use Uniswap Balancer and um, uh, future in the future, SushiSwap uh, liquidity tokens as a collateral. So it will be interesting, for example, to give some uh, voting weight to, let's say, those tokens and also to UniBell and, and Sushi tokens and kind of create more inclusive uh, governance environment because that's probably the, the direction we're heading towards uh besides that uh this is pretty much uh from from our best part and and if if there's any questions now or later
0: thank you so much stunning if i I may one of the areas that is still i to me i think underdeveloped maybe for good reason is the whole idea of like incentivizing kind of like coming up proposals or incentivizing even voting or engagements uh because it's a bit tricky to do right You, you don't want to kind of like reward something and then that ends up Encouraging some weird behavior. Uh, how do you think about this? Is there kind of is this even a problem? Is there actually voter apathy or lack of engagement, or or you know is it enough already? Uh, and if so, do we still need some sort of like rewards or incentives to do so?
1: Yeah, I think like uh, I guess like the the base layer of, of whole governance has been that uh, across decentralized finance and Web three is that you you pretty much try not to incentivize like monetarily because you want to have governance where you have like other kind of uh, incentives driving you towards uh, pretty much uh, running the agenda or supporting different agendas but in my opinion uh, now that that's done like one of the next things to experiment is actually try to experience on the level of like what about if we actually incentivize some sort of uh, 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 participation on the voting level and the and especially in the the kind of like uh, crafting of the uh, on-chain proposals, the payloads itself, because those are very costly. And I think uh, if you look at governments, for example, now, uh, you know, if you are, if you if if you get into a a body where you have uh, uh, voting abilities, uh, you're it's it's pretty much like a paid position. And I can imagine the future uh, if you reach certain amount of uh, vote delegations, uh, what happens is that. Based on that, uh, you will be able to get some sort of like a cash flow from the from the protocols, and that will kind of like a, uh, create this kind of like a competition that you are getting more proposition power or some sort of a voting activity. So that's the kind of like a uh, development that could happen, and I think someone will pretty much come with some sort of experimentation. We haven't done it in, in the other community that much uh, towards this direction, but I think this could be a very interesting way to get uh, more professional, uh, uh, more more professional and more active uh, governance. It's a good good actually topic.
0: Yeah, yeah, and still a lot like largely unexplored, right? Like the idea of professional politicians who are maybe deeply involved or maybe even uninterested so that they can make an objective decision somehow on, for example, token economics, uh, one way or the other. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I may, uh, Marta has a question here uh, that she has typed on in chat. How do you think we are, do you think you are done? And how do you know that you are done with the decentralization and autonomy? I guess in, in like the setup of the governance structures.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I guess you are never kind of done. I mean, decentralization itself is a cost and, and, like, what's the balance of how much cost you add in terms of security and this for decentralization and how much you actually need it? And, uh, you know, you can decentralize things very widely. So, let's say every token holder needs to participate to vote on every decision making or cap delegations and snapshot that, that basically someone puts on chain and you have this kind of optimistic governance. But, in terms of like, uh, what's, what's uh, important is that once you get certain of decentralization, there's always risk of centralization again. So it's kind of like a balance all the time that is moving. And I, I guess like if you look at back in, in you know, governments and, you know, economies and, and how we have structured things. And even if you look at decentless finance, uh, end of the day, uh, the, where you have actually places where you have most of the capital uh, that at- attracts like rest of the capital and, and governance power, so we have this kind of like a dilemma that, you know, of concentrations all the time. So how do we ensure that, uh, let's say, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the 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 token holders or the committee member will always kind of like try to uh, honor the opinions of minorities? It works pretty well compared to traditional finance and economies, uh, because in, in DeFi, for example, in Web3, uh, all the code is pretty much uh, open source, which means that you can take the code and fork it and create a new community if you're not happy. Kind of similar way, for example, if you look at Linux ecosystem, if you're not happy the way people are build, building things, you can fork, uh, fork the software and create your own community. And this kind of uh, creates a bit of pressure of, of uh, ensuring that you have wide enough consensus in your uh, community. That could be like a substantial differentiator what we have seen previously where you know governments or, or any kind of plug like parties have seen decentralization, but goes back into uh, centralization. So there's two things there. It's, it's basically the, the, the balance and also how much decentralization you actually need to, to be sufficiently decentralized.
2: I didn't catch one thing about how do you deal with um, auditing of the smart contracts? Because you have a lot of things put in place, a lot of breakpoints put in place if it turns out that the contract was malicious or there was a bug or something. But I'm wondering, you know, how do you deal with actually, before it's even voted on, you ver- do you verify? Do you, does, is there like a subcommittee that is just responsible for security?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting question because like we what we are leaning towards is that we will have so-called payload DAO, one of the sub DAOs that is actually uh, creating creating the, the payloads, but also uh, reviewing third-party payloads. And of course, like every payload should be uh, audited, and and this is very important because even if it's a uh, some sort of like a risk, you know, parameter change, it's important to audit. Uh, but also kind of like the the, the challenge is that the community needs to somehow uh, ensure what's what's sufficient auditing and what's what are the sufficient procedures of creating safe and secure code uh, because that's the one of the most difficult things to do is is to build smart contracts that can hold billions and in the future trillions of dollars worth of uh, value uh, without breaking and uh, how we do it? Ah, but we we focus quite a lot on security, but we do it internally. So we tend not to leave uh, the security or delegate it to auditors because we know their job is just to basically review the code and see if there's any kind of like a uh, logical thinking that we didn't come up with, or maybe some sort of a, uh, some sort of like a you know maybe like a other kind of bugs. But I would say that like we, we have a lot of procedures internally and how we can actually export those procedures to the, to the whole community uh, and that, you know, and, and related to procedures, like the, the, the importance is that you follow them. So mo- most of the procedures are related to code review and how we do code review and how we build test cases and test suites. So some of them is, is very relatively easy to apply, such as like creating test cases, and also you need to know what you are testing and what you need to find out, but also kind of like those review processes, like how we ensure that people who are re- building code and reviewing each other's code, uh, how they're doing it uh, well enough. And that's kind of like part of also like education, I, I guess that we were able to educate our community and, and the whole DeFi community in general, like how to build secure uh, uh, secure protocols.
0: Thank you so much, Stani, and so thanks so much again for joining us and sharing your insights. Super helpful. Now, moving on to our second kind of sharing session, uh, we also have an incredible community builder and an incredible protocol uh, contributor, Jordan from Synthetics. So great to see you again, Jordan. Hey everyone, good to
3: be here. So yeah, I, I guess I'll I guess I'll just jump in uh, and sort of talk about. The synthetics journey some of the things that uh that we've done and, and sort of the the progression that we've been on so we we began uh fairly decentralized as a lot of projects do um we were quite open about that as well like we we were quite open about that fact and uh, i guess um being open made it uh, a little bit easier for the community to swallow um we Talked to them very early on about the trade-offs between um, you know, being more decentralized and being able to move at speed. And uh, I think, you know, one of the things that Synthetics uh, did quite well, I guess, was move at speed. Um, that was something that, that we were fairly known for, um, the, the way that we shipped. So, so that was kind of the, the, the place that we started. We we began with a foundation as a lot of projects did in, in 2017, 2018. Um, Kane always talks about, you know, the fact that we, we started with their foundation because everyone else started with the foundation. So, you know, using and taking the heuristics of what was just acceptable at the time, um, you know, how do you, how do you structure yourself in a way where um, you garner, um, you know, the ability to, to for example, raise money, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you just going to try to raise money uh, through a DAO in 2018, maybe it's not so easy. So there are some practical, uh, I guess, things to how uh, decentralization um, within itself is practical. And that a lot of that is dependent on the market, the timing and, and obviously what's happening around you. So... So all of that is to say that um, that you know we were fairly decentralized to begin with. Um, over the past two years, we've progressively become more decentralized. Um, we uh, sort of started with expanding the PDAO members. So the PDAO is short for the Protocol DAO. Uh, the Protocol DAO is uh, essentially responsible for managing the code and the upgrades to the system. Um, and I think uh, maybe it's a good time to segue into sort of the model that we have relative to some others. So uh, I think the terminology that you're using is the subDAO model. So we are using the subDAO model in that we have multiple DAOs that contribute to the overall direction of the protocol um, and contribute in various ways. So the protocol a DAO is essentially um, engineers who qualify Um, through a certain process, which has now been formalized. I won't expand on that process here, but um, all of these processes and um, I guess uh, uh, set set of uh, prerequisites that are um, uh, necessary to be in the protocol DAO are actually um, publicly uh, talked about in in a SIP that we recently published. Um, So we have a, a bunch of core contributors who are engineers And um, based on those criteria, they uh, essentially become members of the protocol DAO and the protocol DAO, uh, like I said, is, is the DAO that essentially manages the the code uh, and the upgrade process of the system. Um, so uh, that DAO uh, used to be probably the most critical in terms of the functioning of, of the, of the protocol. Um, since then we've we've also added the Grand style which is responsible for funding public goods. And um, that Dow is actually uh, voted, uh, voted on quarterly. So we have quarterly epochs uh, where we have five members who petition. Um, so in this way, we kind of have a, a version of representative democracy uh, where anyone in the community can come and petition to be on the Grand style The Grand style then basically has a quarterly budget. And that budget is their responsibility to to use and to um, to to point in the right direction for funding of public goods, regardless of what those uh, what those may be. Um, so once those members have been voted in, they definitely have a level of autonomy to to make decisions um, for the quarter, and essentially the decision making is used as a way for um, you know either. Uh, advocating for themselves again in the next in the next epoch Um, or if they've made bad decisions, uh, then obviously, uh, you know, token holders sort of uh, look at those decisions as a um, as a way of kind of deciding. Um, So kind of stepping back, you know, the the actual voting process itself is um, uh, it's it's direct token voting, but we use a a quadratic uh, voting model where um, we're trying to I guess dilute uh, quote unquote whales. Um, so we want to make sure that we don't have uh, voter apathy and that we don't fall into a situation where uh, users or token holders feel that they can't make a difference, that their vote doesn't um, that doesn't matter. you know it's we actually spent a lot of time thinking about this because there is a trade-off between, you know, making it fair for smaller participants, but also uh, acknowledging that people that have a larger economic interest, uh, which is you know the, the 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 mostly the way that you would um, be a larger token holder, um, that they actually also have a commensurate sort of level of, of influence and and decision making um, relative to you know the the investment that they've made. So. We, we thought about that um, and we've kind of landed on something in the middle. Um, I guess one of the reasons why we went with a sub-DAO model is because of the, the speed at which we need to change and um, the speed at which we need to not only make decisions but then implement those decisions and overall the complexity of the system. Um, I think, like, for example, relative to, to Aave, uh, I think it's fairly easy to see how high touch synthetics is in terms of um, the product and in terms of what we need to do to, to get to product market fit. So I think the the product and I guess the maturity of the products is a determining factor for the actual model that we went with. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty important input. I think um, something Uh, something like Uniswap, at least from our perspective or my perspective, seems much easier to be uh, automated um, because I think the the parameters are somewhat um, defined. So I think it's quite an important point because depending on what you're building and depending on the complexity involved and what stage you're at, I think those are really important inputs into like whether you go, um, you know, fully open community or um, sub DAO or, or kind of minimize governance in, in general. Um, so going back to uh, our progress, um, so you know, Pdao, the expansion of the members of the Pdao, um, the the really, I guess, step change step change for us was um, introducing the Spartan Council. Um, so you know, having a council that again are voted in by token holders, um, and having them responsible for um, proposals that are made uh, or presented by anybody. So we have a an, an open proposal system. We don't have a like a, a you know a minimum token number or any kind of minimum level of uh, metrics in any way where we actually filter any uh, proposal submissions. So anyone can uh, propose something in the community and then it's up to the Spartan council to evaluate that proposal um, and, and basically vote on, on those proposals. So they spend time thinking about the proposal individually. They get together as a council. Um, the proposer of the, of the SIP itself actually has a session where they present their proposal to the council. They also have an opportunity to discuss it with the, um, the person who's proposed uh, and also amongst themselves. And then they essentially um, uh, justify a decision, um, communicate a decision, as well as obviously vote on that decision. Um, so that's kind of the mechanism around how proposals are submitted and then proposals are, are voted on. Um, which is fairly unique. I think the way that it all comes together is, uh, is fairly unique. Um, you know, some of the things that, some, some of the objectives that we had in mind when we were sort of thinking through the best structure for the protocol were how do we encourage as much participation as possible? Um, we think that leads to you know, better decision-making sort of a, a, a better opportunity to capture, um, you know, high value people who, who kind of can, can kind of come in and contribute in various ways and create sort of an element of sort of, uh, network effects. Um, the other important thing for us was how do we create an environment that is fair now, there is a very loose term. It's a very broad term, but um, you know, we tried our best to kind of try to think about what that means. Um, And also the other element was hat, like, what does a participant mean? Right. There are different ways that people can contribute and engage with a protocol. Um, Some people will engage uh, economically. So they'll have some sort of economic interest, Ie holding a lot of tokens, ie being a a large liquidity provider, something along those lines where they have a direct economic interest, um, you know, and and obviously that that's that's those are very important stakeholders. Um, Others are socially engaged, so others are participating less economically but are very very active. very involved in spreading ideas, talking about ideas, um, you know, potentially even creating senses a sense of community. Um, and then you've got other people that are contributing IP of some sort. So they're, you know, either very specialized in a certain area and contribute. Um, but again, maybe they're not very large token holders um, and maybe they're not super active, but that they, contribute in ways that are quite um, sporadic. And so um, that was kind of the way that we thought around participation and fairness. And again, things like quadratic voting, um, sort of some type of representative democracy, we thought was a, a good combination of some of those. And the last uh, aspect was how do we create a backstop or multiple backstops so that the protocol um, uh, is is camp can't, can't be sort of uh, attacked from a governance perspective, or that malicious behaviour is is minimised, um, and so that was something that uh, is obviously important as well. Um, and it's a hard balance; it's a it's a super difficult balance to to have. And uh, no doubt, you know, the things that we've done aren't perfect, and I'm I'm sure there'll be. Um, challenges down the road that potentially uh, we could have avoided with you know certain trade-offs that maybe we we have made that we shouldn't have. Um, and I'm sure there's other very good things that are happening that um, are kind of emerging out of this structure as well. Um, so i might I might just pause there in case uh, you want to go in a certain direction, but um, but that's I think a fairly good overview of of where we are and how we got here.
0: Maybe while people are thinking, uh, Jordan, I'm really curious about this, um, the representative democracy model, right? Because it almost sounds uh, like the opposite of what Stani was just saying. He, he says that governance is a cost. And, and here we're kind of like talking about people as assets of uh, the community and like contributing their brain power and social and so on and kind of like rewarding them in a way with these positions. So this, um, of course the trade-off we can imagine it could be going down like what democracy has, right? Some sort of populism or, uh, or people need to kind of like be educated enough to elect the right people. How do you know these people are qualified and so on? Uh, so how, how do you approach this kind of trade-off and how is it working out so far?
4: Yeah,
3: so I guess um, some things that, that are very obvious to us um, that might not be obvious to, to those uh, on the outside is or are it's it's much more difficult to um to make decisions when you start to involve you know uh five times more people ten times more people um through these various DAOs and so the propagation of information the um you know the ability to be on the same page about certain uh, ideas proposals um becomes a little bit more difficult so One thing that has happened is I feel like we have slowed down um, somewhat because we are just, by definition, going through, you know, more layers and levels of of kind of governance and decision-making and people need to be, uh, you know, kept up to speed. Um, The the flip side of that is, you know, you do have a a wider set of contributors and um, they have a vested interest in a way that they wouldn't if they were just... Proposing, you know, on fifty percent of each of these of, of these votes, we we've essentially expanded the team, even though we don't use that term anymore, by uh, you know incentivizing people to want to be on these on the council, for example, or on the GDAO. We incentivize them through um, compensation, and we believe that these people are contributing their time, their resources, their energy, and they should be compensated. Um, And what we've done is that we've added, you know, you know, you could argue we've added like 20 people um, to, uh, again, we don't like to use the term team, but, you know, the the old definition of team, Um, we've added a number of people that are are really spending a lot of time um, and energy on thinking about what we're doing on, uh, you know, measuring things on analyzing things, etc. So, we, we, it does create surface area for people to engage. Um, and I think it's, it's different surface area to just saying, hey, you know, you've got some tokens and we want you to vote every week or every fortnight on, on certain proposals that we present to you. Um, and so uh, it's been amazing. Um, but also, like I said, it, it, there are definitely, it comes with its own challenges
0: certainly and of course we need kind of everyone to experiment with uh, different approaches and it's certainly working so far (laughs) so uh, these different archetypes could emerge as like multiple um, workable strategies right if i may just call on Arthur because i know you've been a long time kind of involved in the community right would you like to kind of ask question or comments here
5: no um, i think this Synthetics um, is probably one of the most uh, successful in decentralizing the governance power among all the top DeFi protocol. In, it's not very often that you see the, the core, the, the, the founder himself have no decision-making power in the protocol anymore, either in an implicit or explicit manner. And I think that we also have witnessed a few uh, time that uh, Keynes' decision actually uh, doesn't it's not aligned with the community and he was actually uh, vetoed against uh, in that kind of decision. I mean, so I think that that, that kind of proved the, the, how decentralized it is. And I think that um, there's a reason it's called DeFi, right? So I think that uh, there is a lot of project chasing short-term um, gains in a way that by moving faster. I think that, I mean, definitely every project need to make their own decision, but uh, Decentralizing a protocol has to be on the roadmap and has to be paid a sufficient attention to make sure that it's not something that you just forever kicking the can down the road. So yeah, I think that that's something fairly important, and I think synthetics is definitely uh, leading in that regards. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and just to just to expand on that, it, it was actually very scary to do some of these things, and um, you know, credit to Kane he has always had this vision of getting to this place. Uh, and, you know, we're not at a final destination, but, we, you know, we're obviously along the way. Um, I, I was much more um, worried about some of these moves and some of these uh, ways of decentralizing because it's scary, right? Like you one day you have some control and the next day you have less control, right? And and generally as humans, we, 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 we believe... Being in control is a good thing because you know we're we're all benevolent and, and we, we all make good decisions and, and all the rest of it. So, um, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been emotional, you know, like it's it's an it's an emotional thing. It's not just logical, right? It's not just this is what we need to do, but it, it takes a level of letting go to even be able to do those things. And I think that um, that credit needs to go to Kane for really pushing things uh even when we were super busy and we had no bandwidth he always carved out time to think about this and start preparing and creating the structures to even be here right because this has been like a, a you know easy and 18 month process for us right and it's not like we had a lot of bandwidth to set aside and and do it we, we had to do it alongside building shit and you know moving fast and and the craziness of of DeFi. so um yeah, it's uh, it is important, as as Arthur said, that you you don't kick it down, you don't kick the can down the road too too long because um, it can also become a competitive advantage.
0: Thank you so much, Jordan. So thanks thanks to Stani and Jordan for like kind of like going deep into the case studies. Like now we want to go around the round table for everyone to also kind of like share their experience and their views around uh, these different parts, uh, drawing upon you know your own experience in involving uh, in governance or setting up some sort of like governance process. So. Next, we'd like to invite Anjan from Parify. And we know Parify has been really active in quite a few key proposals around some of the uh, significant protocols as well. So Anjan, over to you on sharing your experience of, you know, how was it like uh, kind of going through these governance steps and uh, mechanisms? And right? what are some trade-offs that you see and experience that you have and perspectives on where we are and how maybe we can improve?
6: Sure. Sure. Hey everyone, Uh, Anjan here from from Parify. Great, great to be here. Um, Yeah, maybe maybe I can just start super super high level. So uh, as a firm, you know, we spend basically all our time looking at the DeFi space. But I think what's really interesting about DeFi is it's it's tough to be um, a passive investor, right? I think it really requires the space as a whole requires you to be active, both as a user and a governance participant. So whether that's providing liquidity using the protocol or just in general, uh, actively participating in governance, pushing out proposals, voting on, you know, on chain votes. Um, It seems like that's actually how you drive value to the protocol and and help the protocol move forward. So, you know, we've been active in a number of communities including MakerDAO, Aave, Yearn. And over the years we've seen a number of things work and not work. And what's really interesting, we're we're kind of seeing governance 2.0 right now where some of these newer protocols are taking what's you know, what's been working so far and putting it into their new governance processes. So really seeing uh, kind of an iteration of the whole governance process, which is uh, very healthy to see. Um, maybe just starting high level, what we've you know seen work really well, and I guess really improve over time is, um, we think a lot about kind of scaling the governance process. So what that means is, you know, all these DeFi protocols are becoming more and more complex, right? And that means they require more and more active support participation, involvement from the community, but that's difficult to scale over time as a number of, you know, assets or risk parameters or things to vote on and generally, uh, you know, increase. So what we like to think about is how do you scale a governance process where as the complexity of the system increases, um, you're not losing the engagement or or really the involvement from the community. And so um, something that we're fans of is, is delegation. So, You know, right now, or or really in 2019 and early 2020, the idea was kind of everyone votes on everything, that's the goal, but you always saw very low voter turnout, you know, between like one and 5% um, for a lot of these protocols. And I think the reason for that is because people weren't fully aware or informed of what's going on. And it's kind of an unrealistic expectation to have all token holders informed for all votes and expect them to vote on everything. So what happens is there's somewhat of a tragedy of the commons where, most token holders don't know what's going on. They think there's other token holders uh, actually staying up to date, and then they end up kind of passing and choosing not to vote. That's actually detrimental to the system because now you only have one or 5% of the supply or holders actively voting and and pushing out proposals. So we're we're big fans of delegation. So we've seen Aave, Compound, Uniswap come out the gate with this type of delegation proposal. Uh, you know, MakerDAO is working on this as well. And I think what this does is this starts to really put the hand, you know, governance and voting power into the hands of the smartest people. And I think that could be independent researchers, developers, risk analysts, funds, teams. I think the goal really is to get a diverse set of opinions, but we need full-time active participants looking at this governance, at at the governance processes and, and voting and suggesting proposals not people doing it part-time because I think you know DeFi today as it scales from, from here to another hundred X, the weight and, and gravity of what these DeFi protocols are doing is going to grow immensely. And it's not feasible for you know people to just spend a few hours a week or just part-time looking at a governance of the protocol. We need people full-time looking at these risk parameters in real time and pushing out changes. And that's really only going to happen with delegation. And so the way we've been thinking about it is For example, maybe with MakerDAO, maybe you have like a few dozen, you know, risk analysts, researchers, funds who end up controlling a lot of the voting power and then all of the major investors and team, foundation, whoever may be, delegate to those individuals. And now those individuals can actually start to vote on these processes with informed opinions because they're spending most or or all their time on these protocols. Um, And so I think that that would give the protocol a lot of leverage um, versus kind of you know, expecting all token holders to vote on everything. Um, I think what's also worked is we've seen the level of community involvement really step up. So in 2019, and and I would say in the early parts of 2020, you know, protocols were decentralized. But what does that really mean if the team is the one putting out proposals or pushing through governance processes? What we see now is these DAOs have matured significantly. So, you know, if you look at any governance discord or, or discourse forum, snapshot, whatever it may be, you see a lot of community members actually pushing out proposals, chiming in, you know, giving their opinions, which I think is a, is a great natural step for, for governance as a whole, because now you're not completely reliant on a centralized team. So for example, you know, one of these top DeFi protocols that's really fascinating is the core team could step away. Uh, i not saying they would, of course, but they could step away and the protocol would still run. That's like an incredibly powerful tool, um, which I think will continue to improve over time. So I think it's really just giving the community the tools and infrastructure for them to run these processes um, and making sure the right actors are in place to actually you know, run these processes from start to finish. Um, and so as I look across the ecosystem, MakerDAO, for example, the, the foundation is, is, is very is barely involved with the protocol. You have you know five to six working groups across smart contract, risk, finance, et cetera, all managing the protocol. And, the, the token holders voted individual people to now serve on these committees. That, to me, is a, is a very positive signal on where governance is is headed. Um, you know, something else that I've seen that's worked is the tooling is continuing to improve. It's a little bit fragmented, but with stuff like snapshot, delegation, I guess just the form structures, tally, you know, all of these kind of pieces for the governance process are coming together. So you know, there are different tools. If Let's say you want to put a proposal on chain or you want to vote without gas or you want to reach an audience of all token holders. You now have all these tools to actually do that. And there's a lot more of a process in place, which I think is a a very healthy improvement. So, you know, Aave has the AIP process, Maker has the, you know, MIP process. And so if you want to push a proposal through, you now have an idea of what you actually have to do. You know, token holders may not agree with it. It may not be easy, but at least there's a process in place to push out um, a proposal. Um, as I think about maybe like the areas that I think governance and DAOs in general are still looking to improve, or, or I think where there's area to improvement is in general, a little bit on the organization side. So as these centralized teams play less of a role in, in you know, managing these protocols, it now falls in the hands of individual token holders to manage the, the protocol, right? But with individual token holders, there can be less organization because there isn't a centralized team or hierarchy managing workflows. Um, and so sometimes you see in these DAOs, it's not exactly clear who's working on what, what's the status of this you know, particular proposal. Um, and so without that organization, things just fall to the crack and don't get pushed through. And so I think as we continue to see more organization like the Index Coop and, and MakerDAO have very kind of clear working groups and you know, here are the people working on these assignments, here are the deadlines. I think that starts to really improve the, the functionality and the efficiency of the DAO or else people kind of just put out a proposal and it's kind of floating through the, through the metaverse and you know, there's not, it's not really clear who's actually pushing it through. Um, I think in general, we'd like to see a lot more of a data-driven approach. So you know, I think it, t- it does feel like sometimes risk parameters and various DeFi protocols are changed a little bit finger in the air, kind of on the whim, um, but there isn't as much kind of deep you know, analysis of, of the data or the activity in the systems to really justify those changes. So I think just and again, this goes back to the fact of can we bring in more independent researchers to look at these systems full time um, to then provide these data-driven analyses so that token holders can vote in a more informed manner in a more objective manner versus something that's a little bit more subjective or a finger in the air. Um, I also think you know governance as a whole is it, it can be a feature but it can also be a bug, right? And so what I mean by that is as the protocols get more and more complex, there's more and more parameters to work on, to, to vote on, it can actually start to slow down the entire governance process, right? Because if every little change in the protocol needs to be voted on, that starts to distract away from the big changes that need to happen. Because governance treats all changes basically equal, right? It's like, you need to vote on all these, all these changes. So the more automation we can implement into these systems where it makes sense, I think that goes a long way. So a concrete example is MakerDAO, you have something called the Instant Access Module, which is this governance tool, which allows you to upgrade the system basically in an automatic manner. So for example, when the debt ceiling reaches a certain threshold, the system automatically increases the debt ceiling. So that's one less kind of vote MakerDAO holders have to vote on, which I think is extremely powerful. And I think we'll start to see more and more automation. Um, and that way token holders in the community can focus on the truly you know, high impact subjective proposals that can't be necessarily automated. Um, And I think in general, like a lot of governance is just, you know, being informed, staying up to date. Right. And as a token holder, it can be time consuming to go through all these proposals, understand what's going on. Um, And I think if we just have a little bit more transparency and organization in terms of the activities of these DAOs and and, and DeFi protocols, I think that goes a long way. So even like a simple newsletter, weekly newsletter to, to, you know, the community, hey, here's what's going on in the protocol, here are the key metrics, here are the ongoing governance proposals. It's not necessarily saying you should vote this way or not, but it's at least keeping the community informed in a concise manner. Because if you just go to a a discourse forum, I mean, there's gonna be dozens of posts and dozens of responses. It can be very time consuming to go and comb through all that. And again, this goes back to the scalability, which is how do you get the the more passive holder involved, um, without requiring you to spend 10, 15 hours a week looking at one protocol's governance process. Um, and then I think stuff like, you know, snapshot and, and, tally are definitely helping with this governance process as well. Um, I guess as it relates to kind of the process and to- from a process and tools perspective, I guess from our experience, you know, we've put through a number of proposals on Aave and Yearn. Um, I think what we found that really works is putting out, you know, for, uh, uh, forum posts and then letting the community really chime in. Discord can also be a great tool. It does get a little bit noisy at times. There's just a lot of back and forth, but I notice in the forums, there's typically just been very thoughtful and insightful responses to a lot of the governance proposals that, that I've seen across the ecosystem. So, you know, we're big fans of the, of the, of the governance forums uh, themselves. Um, you know, and, and then I think doing stuff like community calls goes a long way. So for example, with MakerDAO, you could post something, you can post a collateral application and uh, the team that, that, that would like to be added as collateral can now come and present to the MakerDoc community. So that kind of tooling there is, is, is also very helpful. Um, I think a protocol that really stood out in, in terms of their, you know, a few protocols really stand out in terms of their process. I think Index Group, um, considering how young Index Group is, I mean, it really started picking up picking up in August or in, in September and considering how, how organized they've gotten so quickly That stood out to me, right? They have like working groups and leaders working on clear tasks. They have compensation committees. It's just run very efficiently. And the set protocol team is is barely involved compared to all of these index community members, many of whom have anonymous names. You don't actually know who they are. That to me really stood out. Um, In MakerDAO, there's an individual named Long for Wisdom who's been absolutely crushing it uh, in the governance process. I mean, he's the, the governance facilitator and he's running dozen plus processes at any time. He's following up with core stakeholders, teams. Um, so he's been a, a governance all star. And I think every protocol is probably going to look for their own long termism um, in the in the future. Um, so on our end, we um, we've put out a few kind of notable proposals in the year and in Ave community. I mean, more recently on the Ave community, we pushed for the liquidity mining proposal, just introducing liquidity mining rewards for Ave. Really, the thinking there was let's test, let's experiment with liquidity mining. This isn't an end-all be-all. It's not gonna be perfect to start, but let's at least test it out. And so that was the goal there um, by just putting out an initial proposal, getting the feedback from the community, talking to other investors, talking to the team, talking to large users, and then kind of then aggregating all of those views into one sustained governance proposal, liquidity mining proposal, where you're providing Aave for you know different markets. And so we went back and forth on, well, how much ave? You know, which markets, how long should the program be? What's the structure of the distribution? Do you do Aave? Do you do staked Aave? Um, all these kind of core parameters is something we're thinking about. What I'm looking forward to next is as this program ends um, this summer, now we can look back at three months of data. And again, this goes back to the data different approach and see what actually worked and what didn't. Did we, did we achieve the KPIs we wanted to um, why or why not? Now, moving forward, how do we adjust that? You know, Which markets do we need to incentivize? How do we adjust the distribution? Maybe we stop the distribution completely. Maybe we increase it by 2x. All these kind of core questions is something we, we like to think about as we push a proposal, but then continue to monitor it.
0: Yeah, I think there is one question around uh, re-centralizing uh, if we have delegation. So does that put power back into the hands of a few? Uh, if we need like, a quick answer so that we can... Get it yeah. On your
6: own table. yeah, sure, sure. So, so I, I think in general, the, with delegation, you're getting, you know, you're putting voting power, quote unquote, in the hands of a few people, but that's arguably better than what you're seeing today, which is still, you know, again, one to 5% of, of the supplier token holders are the ones voting on every governance proposal today. If you look at voter turnout, it's very, very low. So it's not like we're having a lot of governance, you know, a lot of different participants voting today. It's a very low amount. And so with the idea of delegation is now every participant is now incentivized to delegate their tokens to the kind of sharpest and most thoughtful, you know, people in the ecosystem, whether it's funds, team members, researchers. And, and then if they're not thoughtful or if you think they, they, they voted against your views, you can easily redelegate to someone else. So you still maintain control of your voting power, but you're giving it to people who are now informed and, and spending more of their time in the ecosystem, which is a win-win, I think, for the protocol as a whole. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much, Anjun. There's a lot to digest there and a lot of like great experience to learn from. I think for ourselves as well as Longhash Ventures, I think uh, some of our portfolio companies, we've been trying to be more involved with their working groups, right, with the proposals, for example, of Idle Finance with their long-term liquidity program. And uh, we can certainly appreciate how much kind of like effort goes into, you know, talking to different stakeholders and needing to work with like people who are going to build it, people who are going to check the risk parameters, who are going to do the, the modeling and then like actually implemented uh, and then monitor for the results in the longer term. So thanks, for uh, Anjan very much uh, resonate with that.
6: Uh, Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Anjan. And then so moving on as well, uh, we know Arthur from Defiance, the whole thesis of uh, Defiance actually being activist investors, right, uh, in DeFi. So I'm sure there's a lot to share and yourself as well, even before uh, starting Defiance, we understand you have been an active community member. So really looking forward to your sharing, Arthur.
5: Sure. Um. Actually, right now I don't really use the term activist anymore because I think that um the connotations have certain element of like the negative aspect to it. Uh, due to the way it's being used in the traditional finance. So I like, usually just use the term active uh, active participations. I think um governance is actually a very broad topic. Um, and I don't think we have really solved it yet. So I think just wanna uh, uh, quickly. Talk about like my experience with the governors at early days at synthetics. Um, I think that 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 point of time, although the process wasn't formalized, but due to the alignment of the community toward the same objective, it works very well. Uh, just by using a Discord voting, uh, and I mean it's not binding, and you do not even know whether that um, that the address is uh, that the, the user is actually behind a certain aspect token holder as, as well but you, you can't know whether these people how committed they are to the protocol based on their uh, interaction with the community in the discord channel so i think that uh, that worked very well and the, t- the protocol also gradually improved along the way uh, to the level that the vote is tied in with the token holder and and right now it's evolved to a council base where because analytics is a fairly complicated protocol so uh, most of the people even for myself that I probably would not know as much uh, compared to some of the community member that are like uh, using the product on a daily basis and uh, interacting with the product very frequently. So I think that model, um, I think right now is indeed the most optimal for synthetics. And I think that despite all the ideal I like, thinking about like, you know, uh, DAO is gonna like uh, solve a lot of the governance issue I think that when we look at the real world, um, like a direct one-to-one participation democracy doesn't work that well simply because of information asymmetry. Most people are just too busy to uh, have are fully informed about what they are voting for. So I think that a combination of council-based uh, governance or delegation um, is definitely the, the way to go. Uh, and I think Sindex has been doing quite well in that regards, and. In terms of uh, which one, I would say is more sustainable. I think it's definitely back to this. I think that um, you you really need to have a group of community members that is very knowledgeable about the protocol, and these community members will slowly evolve to be the kind of like the community leader of this uh, protocol. And as a result of this, uh, they will gain more trust, and likely that um, they will garner a lot more votes to help to govern the protocol. I think that that has been the case and voter apathy is real in everywhere. Like when you look at uh, politics, uh, voting for the general elections, or even down to the listed company, the shareholder voting, it's always been fairly low because uh, when your ownership is below a certain threshold, it actually, uh, from an economic point of view, it doesn't make sense for you to invest so much time and effort to come up with uh, informed decision. So I think that, yeah, uh, I think to reinforce what uh, Anjan have mentioned, yeah, a delegation um, or a council-based uh, governance approach, I would say in the long run, is a lot more sustainable. But I think it's also very important to cultivate and a larger group of committee members informed about the protocol so that you do have uh, other people that can step up in case some of the, uh, the core committee members uh, decided that you know there's other things that he would like to focus on, he cannot s- spend as much time on this anymore. So I think that um, the larger Diva protocol generally has done well and there's a continuous uh, new group of community members that participate in the governance. But I think for the younger one, um, they still need to take some time to grow their informed community member base so that it's uh, not too reliant on a certain uh, member. And I think that um, in terms of experience from the initial discussion in the governance channel or forums, I think so far that's been working well, but I think that a lot of time, um, I think right now the most common one is almost all the protocol have their own governance forum and most of it have a process already. Like you want to, uh, like Aave have a, request for comment and after that you will get pushed to the AIP if you getting sufficient support. I think the key thing to highlight is to amplify the the decision making. I found that some of the uh, some of the protocol the discussion wasn't well uh well highlighted in, in the committee member. So as a result, sometimes it can be fairly rushed, like uh, within a week, event from like a proposal stage to voting stage. And actually a lot of the committee member is still not very informed of what is this about. And some might not even know it exists. So we actually uh, encounter this experience. So I think that there is uh, a fairly important to make sure that uh, the committee member know that this governance proposal exists and what is it about so that the discussion permeates into... As much people as possible, I think. Beside that, I think that uh, a lot of the process right now are fairly established, um, and I think that it's been working quite well. Especially from our participation in Ave, um, uh, synthetics and uh, sushi swap. Yeah, I think that most of them are like having a pretty good uh, process so far. In and I think that in terms of uh, any protocol that stand out, I think Ave is the uh, have. Stand out pretty well. I think most of the proposal that have been uh pushed to the voting stage have all passed. I don't see any uh votes that have failed so far, and yeah, I think that that's that's the mostly it. And I also want to highlight uh, another part that um when an investor like us are uh, trying to uh put out a proposal, usually how we get a community support. I think it's very important that uh the you need to think from the community member point of view as well, because if the perceived uh, perception is, you know, this is only just uh, the, the proposal to enrich the large token holder, uh, even though you have the sufficient vote to brute force vote pass, it's certainly not going to end well. So it's usually very important to find uh, a way that to make sure the entire community member is aligned so that you can also uh, get them to support and participate in the voting as well. And I think that uh, this also comes back to the way of dealing with voter apathy. I think that uh, you also need to give the uh, the smaller token holder a sense of uh, participation and their vote matters. So I think in the early days that, um, and I think this and I think there's a lot of work being done on this regard. I think that especially Vitalik is a very big proponent of quadratic voting. And I think that the Synthetics governance process, uh, when it comes to voting for the council delegate, did uh, introduce some of the quadratic voting so that the top token holder does not have a one-to-one weight to their vote to choose the delegate for the protocol. I think that this is uh, quite important. I think that, and unfortunately, I think that this is uh, something that is quite lacking. I think most DeFi protocols are still going for one coin, one vote because I think uh, there are some challenges in implementing a quadratic voting because it's, uh, there is a possibility of civil attack that people uh creating multiple addresses to uh, increase their influence despite not holding as much token. And there also sort of like a, another argument that the bigger token holder... Um, since they have more at stake, they will want to, uh, act in the best interest of the protocol anyway. So, one-call uh, one vote might not necessarily be a bad thing. But I would say that generally, to deal with a voter apathy, and low level engagement, it's very important to let the uh, the lower commit the smaller token holder feel that, um, their participation matters, and it's not like, uh, that the bigger token holder is the one uh, deciding everything. Yep. So I think that has been uh, our experience so far.
0: Thank you so much, Arthur. And uh, well, anyone please jump in with your questions? I'd love to just dive a bit deeper into the idea of quadratic voting because I think uh, everyone has, has kind of mentioned this, right? Like you mentioned the civil attack risk. Have you seen it kind of play out? Are there any examples to learn from uh, in that case? Or you know, is it just not worth the trouble for proposals And yet?
5: I think uh, we haven't seen it play out because there's just not that many protocol that implemented quadratic voting. Uh, Jitcoin is the only one that have the qu- quadratic voting for their uh, funding rounds. And I think that it has not been a major issue uh, because I think that uh, the effort is quite significant. And I think the the value at stake is not big enough to trigger a very big civil attack yet. But I'm sure that if uh, a DeFi protocol come to a stage where there's like a multiple like multi-million dollar worth of uh, value at stake such as okay um, for example uh, Ave is uh, voting uh, for the AIP to add new assets uh, let's say there's a quadratic voting um, there might be some very obscure uh, illiquid asset um, they might want to be added and they might see attack this because by being added to Ave protocol they enable them uh, they increase the utility significantly and uh, also get a lot of recognition as well so i think that um with the value uh, of the decision as stake increase we are likely going to see uh, this happening but so far it has not happened yet
0: yeah i guess that's also why this, the guardrails of you know like like the guardian council for for like ave and maybe some sort of veto rights by some sort of council may make sense right to to counter this yeah yeah, yeah absolutely Sure. Uh now we want to actually move to kind of like the spotlight to some of our ADN members, uh a Balancer, kind of Kala and Siddharth as well. But right before that, maybe if I can just uh call upon both I think Arthur and Anjan to just share a bit more about kind of the role of investors, right? Because we, we heard about it from the project side, but then from the community side, how do we think about like, you know, there are full time community members who may be council members or like they kind of get compensated. And then there's kind of like people who are involved in the you know, limited, very, very kind of rarely, and just votes. And then there's kind of like investors in between that, you know, we come in for certain proposals, but we are not able to kind of commit full time <laughs> to one protocol only or only a few, right? So how do we kind of like balance the time? What is the level of involvement and role of investors uh, in governance, you think?
5: Um, probably I'll start. I'll say that uh, as an investor, I mean, for defined side, we think it's our duty to be uh, informed of at least aware of all the major proposal and develop an opinion on it. Um, if we do not develop an opinion or view on it, then we might not vote. But if we do have a opinion, uh, we usually will participate in the voting. Yeah, especially where uh our vote matters. Uh, that in our vote is required to pass a quorum. Uh, then usually we will get participated. But generally, yeah, we are we are informed and aware of the. Of the governance proposal, just that we might not participate. For let's say we do not have a very strong view, and our participation is not required, then we might not participate.
6: Yeah. No, I I, I definitely resonate with that. With that, um, yeah, it's it's a great question. I think um, I, I think it's it's less of a binary uh, decision and it's more of a spectrum. So, you know, what is actually being involved with governance and what's not being involved with governance? It's it's tricky to say. So I think the role of an investor, it varies a lot by the type of firm you are and how active you wanna be. But I think in general, something that maybe we can all agree on is investors should be involved in some capacity. So maybe it's not voting, but it's you know helping find talent, right? There's like multiple ways to be involved, but I think on the governance side specifically, um, there is a base level, I guess, of you know being informed and, and staying up to date on a lot of these proposals I think is required. And if you feel like as a fund, you're not able to do that, I think it's very important to delegate if the protocol has a capacity to people that are, are more informed. And I think we'll start to see every major DeFi protocol launch delegation. And so I think really the answer is should be involved yourself, but if not, you should understand you have a massive responsibility to the protocol and you should give your voting power to someone who you think can be, uh, can be involved.
0: Can I just point on that directly? So should investors become like large delegates uh, who attract uh, plenty of delegation of votes then?
6: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I think it depends on, on the investor themselves. And I think it's really up to the other token holders and community members to decide that, right? Like, I think what I'm excited about is basically seeing a governance like marketplace or arena, really where people are competing for voting power and it's really just the best ideas when, right? And so, I, you know, some investors are going to be more informed than others. I think they'll attract more votes. But just because you are an investor, I don't think that necessarily means you should have a large amount of voting power. It should be What's been your track record? Have you been voting? Have you put out good proposals? Because I could argue there are individual researchers right, who have put out amazing proposals and are driving a lot of value in the governance community. And then there are other fairly large investors who have never touched their tokens. right. So I think just because you are an investor doesn't mean you should be a large recipient of these voting power. It should be based on what ideas you bring to the table, what's been your track record, track record and what's your governance plan moving forward.
0: Right, thank you Anjin. and thank you Arthur again for your sharing, super insightful. Uh, so here we'd like to talk about your decentralization journey and hopefully kind of like make it a bit more of an open conversation as well, right? So kind of where we are at now, what we are thinking about uh, and the considerations, and then we can invite uh, people around at the roundtable to also chip in because Jordan is still around, Anjana, and Arthur are still around. And of course our fellow projects here and peers here are all kind of like on the similar journey. So we'd love to invite Kristen and Marta from Balancer. Hey
7: everyone. Um, So I'll kick us off a huge thank you to Longhash for putting this on and everything you're doing. So offering my introduction, I'm Kristen Stone. Um, At Balancer Labs, I hold the role of COO. And I think thought a lot about organization. Um, And then Marta over here (laughs) does a lot of the decentralization. Yeah, I'm head of community uh, with Balancer. So I'll just frame a little bit about Balancer. Uh, Although it's a strong name in DeFi, Balancer Labs has only existed since March of 2020. Um, That's 15 months. I was looking up some of the other projects here that have been around since 2017. So in comparison, it actually feels like Balancer is pretty early in our days of iteration. The current protocols organization is fairly simple. We have Balancer Labs, which is the entity whose mandate is to do what is in the best interest of the protocol. And then we have the community who forms discussions on Discord, Discourse, and completes votes on Snapshot, very similar to other projects. Within the community, something Marta has thought a lot about, there's a group of more engaged members we call the Ballers. Um, This really came about in a grassroots way where members of the community were providing more support, becoming labeled as ballers, and the program's evolving, which Marta can speak a little more about. Um, There's volunteer tags and people who we view as, yeah, these are trusted parties and and it's good to trust them around the community.
2: uh, The biggest question I think I have is, how do we get people to care and when do we know that uh, we have the decentralized autonomous community that is driving the protocol. When is it? You know, is it the number of people that are voting? Is it the number of um, proposals being made? Um, you know, there are so many, so many metrics, and I'm wondering which of them are valuable and which one of them we, as balancer, that are thinking at the beginning of the journey, we should be focusing on.
3: One of the metrics that we look for, which is um... Uh, a little more qualitative is actually how many participants do we get in our monthly governance calls? Um, You know, how many, you know, you know, we've had up to, I don't know, maybe like 120 130 people on a governance call um, versus early on where we had maybe uh, 20, you know, we probably started off with about with about 20 um, uh, outside of the team. So, that's that's always an interesting one for me. Um, it's a combination of how excited people are about what's happening and also if there are any contentious things that are going to be discussed. Um, but also, I think, a sign of engagement.
0: Thanks, Christian, and Marta. Next, Ritao, Uh would you like to share about Kala? And I think there, there's a little bit of a... other context and nuance to bring in as well, right? Because uh, Akala being built on Polkadot and Substrate, you know, like the upgradability and like the more on-chain governance uh, being built in is a bit Mm -hmm. of a special circumstance, right? So we'd love to hear kind of like where you are at and any conversation topics topics you'd like to raise.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, I just want to make it clear that we actually haven't go live yet. So there's the progress that we have to go from zero to go live. And um, I wanted like to share the journey that we uh, foresee of like how we actually uh, build a PowerChain a specialized network on Polkadot. Um, and I'm gonna share some of like, this, some unique characteristics of like governance on uh, either paragen or on Polkadot. So first is the is a specialized network, a uh, PowerChain uh, built on top of um, Polkadot. Um, and for a an project or for any information of project in, in Polkadot, the way to obtain a PowerChain slot it's actually already a decentralization process, I would say, uh, a project will go through a process called a prior chain offering, or we call it on. essentially ask um, community members support in order to obtain a slot uh, on the Pogoda network, because there's going to limited number of slots uh, available. Um, so this is already like a decentralized process um, from the very beginning. Um, the dot holder decides which pr- uh, project will go live, uh, depends on um, the, um, the, the product that um, the dog holder see fits, and as we're speaking, um, the Arcola deployment on Kusama is actually happening right now, the crowd is actually happening right now. Uh, we reach uh, over 100 million uh, value locked in, in our crowd on and the crowd is going to uh, happen uh, last for seven days and hopefully by then we can uh, participate in the auction and then we can start to um, go live on Kusama. Um, and to launch a specialized network uh, on, uh, on on Kusama on Polkadot is actually uh, quite a journey. So we will go through a POA post um, phase and uh, gradually uh, giving out the community uh, the control back to the community. You can see that we once we launch the network, the network genesis um, uh, actually um, the balance transfer, all the core module is disabled, and we will appoint ourselves as the council member. Essentially, the um, the directors of the of the network. And then we will gradually enable uh, the functionality one by one until to a point that we will remove the admin key, uh, which uh, we call the pseudo module. And then once we remove the admin key, then we will um, then enable balance transfer, enable the core functionality, enable the DAX, enable all the protocol that we built. And ultimately uh, the, the final giveaway of the control is to enable election, which we essentially remove ourselves from the appointed council members um, to, an, uh, to, an, to an elected council members. And ultimately, uh, if we have a diversified uh, council members, um, then we call ourselves that's um, the very first step towards decentralization. Um, and we actually have a number of different, um, we we'll say um, councils. So there's a general council, um, there's a financial council that look after the financial uh, instrument um, parameters There's also a technical councils. Uh, You can think of them as sub that um, have different roles in the network. Some councils are elected by the token holders. Some councils are actually appointed by the general council. So it's actually uh, a lot of going on on how we run the election process on chain. So, and by talking through this, um, the idea about this council, I would like actually to share one unique um, characteristic of like this council election. Council election is very similar to um, to um, to token delegation to voting delegation, but actually it's one step uh, one step um, deeper. So to elect a council is actually very similar to a single transferable vote uh, on the current conventional uh, voting system so you you know you don't delegate um, as a token holder you don't delegate your token to only one individual instead instead you choose a set of individual um, that you find you trust and you delegate those um, um, those, those tokens to and ultimately um, the system will elect a set of representative um, councils based on um, the rule of single transferable votes. Uh, uh, transfer vote, vote. So essentially the one that gets the highest vote will be elected at council. And then your second preference is not wasted. It goes to go to elect to the, to the second council and so on and so on. Um, and let's say that there's like 16 seats on, on the council, uh, on the board. Um, you can choose up to five, you can choose up to 16. It's up to your uh, preference to, um, to choose how many council members you elect for. And this is actually how the public council um, Runs so you can see that you can vote for like seven or you vote for three preferred um, council uh, member that's running for the elections and the election happen every day, and I think that's one key um, unique characteristics of like how the election is very different um, on the on the Paris and on the Pocket um, ecosystem. Um, this essentially uh, give a much more um, fair uh, representation on uh, on, the, on 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 how the final um, council seat looks like. And it also um, adjusts some of the like the um, voter turnout rate issue uh, or things like that because like the council who get elected is a fair rep- rep- representation of the token holders' um, um, preference on who actually have the governance. Um, the second unique characteristic of like uh, Paragene or the Polygon Network is that um, there's, a, there's one thing called referendum. So, any token holder can actually post a referendum. Well, they're actually going to a limited uh, amount of referendum per era, which is like per month. But any token holder can um, can pass a referendum, and that means the actual network is actually still in control of token holders. Um, you can pass You can you can propose a silly um, referendum proposal. It's unlikely to get passed. Or it's unlikely to go through the discussion table, but it's actually possible. Um, the council member is there just to steer and to accelerate um, the referendum um, race by token holders. And I think the, the, the final unique characteristic of, um, of Polkadot or, or Parachain is that the actual chain code, the actual code uh, um, running on the blockchain is um, set by the governance. So if you're thinking about um, a smart contract on Ethereum, it's very easy to have like proxy contract to upgrade the contract itself, that's fairly easy. But if you're thinking about a layer one network or, an, or an, a Polkadot, we would call it a layer, layer zero network. Um, so far it's the only um, network that we see that has ability to say that actually, uh, it is actually the token holder to decide how the next version of the network is going to be like. So essentially um, the network code itself uh, is governed by the token holder itself. So we call this process an on-chain upgrade. So essentially the blockchain runs the code um, from its, um, the, uh, in order to upgrade to the next version, uh, the blockchain with um, the token that we will propose what is the goal, what to, what going to look like uh, for the next version of the blockchain. And the code is actually executed uh, on-chain.
0: I think in the interest of time, uh, I'd love to pass it on now to Samyak, who has been waiting for almost two hours. Thank you for your patience uh, from hey. Instadap. And I understand you know, there's there's an effort to move to some sort of a decentralization as well. So we'd love to hear where you're at and what you'd like to discuss with all of us here today.
8: Yeah, so hi, I'm Samyak from Instadap and we will be launching our token and governance this month um, uh, with our new protocol that we are calling DeFi Smart Layer. Uh, which will be a totally new kind of smart accounts with a totally uh, with a lot more new functionalities, where the governance is a lot more needed because it might affect uh, real users' assets. So uh, till now, like the smart accounts, they were like, uh, it's like it's a it's a smart account where like users are using to secure their assets and then uh, doing atomic transaction, composabilities, and all those kind of things. But they were like very limited uh with the new smart account i would say we introduced one thing that governance can add new functionalities which we are calling as modules so there could be possi- possibly infinite amount of modules that governance can enable and each module will have different kind of functionality for different kinds of users so you know, which directly affects the user smart account so i'll give you an example like there is a module which is the, the main module from which owner will interact uh, now, let's say we add governance added one more module, which is a flash loan module. So that will enable any users in the ecosystem to borrow assets from any users who is managing their funds on DeFi, DSA. So let's say there is a whale user who is managing a billion dollar assets on DSA. Then you can actually borrow his assets and use it anywhere in the DeFi to do a flash loan transactions. So currently, like it will enable the deep. Uh, flash loan liquidity. Uh, So basically could be the biggest flash loan in the ecosystem, because let's say if you take the Aave, which is the biggest flash loan right now, it has a capacity of borrowing 200, 300 million DAI, because that's the liquidity available in the Aave right now. But if you take MakerDAO, Compound and Aave all together, then you can access 1 billion DAI liquidity at once. So with DSA, you can access, like if governance enables flash loan module, then anyone can access Flash Loan from many of the protocols to any users uh, through multiple DSS and can do really huge transactions which weren't possible before. So this is just one example how governance can add different kind of modules. Now uh, yeah so uh, this is this is just one example and there could be infinite modules like one module that we are focusing on is the interoperability between chains. Uh, so we'll start with Mainnet and Polygon and in that module, a uh, user can connect that smart account, like a uh, version one, uh, sorry, uh, mainnet smart account to Polygon smart account. And then it they, they could do trustless migration of the depth position, refinancing, or anything. Uh, so, this is like a module that governance will enable. And then, smart account will be able to com- communicate different chains uh, totally trustless. So, yeah, and there could be a, many different modules, like guardian modules, which will help users secure the assets. And all those things, and connect. So yeah, I mean, so that is the core place where the governance is needed, and governance can also enable fees and all the other different things for protocol revenue in in uh, in near terms and automations and many other kind of things for managing the position in the best way possible. Uh, and as like as we are growing, we are we are now currently focusing more on the infrastructure. And uh, having contributions from many different ends. of so, like we've already got like three protocols who have built the connectors for themselves because once they connect to this layer, they have access to all the other big protocols, make it all, compound Aave, and they, they are composable with all the other protocols. So like uh three protocols, uh good protocols have already built the connectors to connect themselves, will make them live in the next couple of weeks. Then uh, there are like the developers who will be focusing on the modules, which will be team or the external developers who wants to provide value to the app ecosystem. Uh, and provide, uh, and then there will be the developers who can build UIs on top of it. So UIs can be an application like, I would say, Argent uh, to provide super secure uh, uh, way to interact with the DeFi. Or the UI can be the current InstaDap, uh, which will provide a highly extensible and complex strategies for users to maximize their gains. And uh, so it's like it's uh, they can use different components in different parts. And it's just an infrastructure layer, which is very flexible. And infinite uh, things can be added to this layer. So yeah, uh, that's what we are focusing on.
0: Thank you, Samyak. Yeah,
8: yeah, really exciting.
0: I think with this, I think we've heard from everyone from the roundtable. Uh, thank you so much for staying with us till the end. Right before we go, actually, we have some some really interesting kind of uh, attendees as well who I'd love to invite to maybe just come on and say a couple of words, uh, like your comments or takeaways from, from today. Uh, of course, like Emma from Longhash and Remington from Fambushu Capital as well. If you'd like to come and just say a couple of words uh, before we all wrap up and
9: Sure, I can jump in first. Uh, uh, well, thank you so much. I think for all the panelists, all of you guys are kind of like the pioneers of decentralization, whether from the investor perspective or a protocol perspective. And I think um, the discussion is extremely insightful. And uh, I think the takeaway I got from this whole discussion is uh, I feel there's no standards in decentralization and it's very hard to measure the degree of decentralization, it's a, it's a journey. And there might be different kind of um, archetypes emerging from this. And I think d- depending on which approach you're adopting, right? Whether it's fully uh, uh, fully decentralized from day one and every vote counts, or go for quadratic voting and having sub I think it's very much experiment and kind of trying to see what works for you. So, um, so uh, and and also I think there are already lessons that can be learned from the leading protocols, right? Like how Aave has decentralized, how Synthetics has decentralized. So I think, and also looking at uh, comparative for uh, um, other ecosystems like about how they design everything um, in a top-down manner, but kind of start implementing Unchained documents um, from day one. So I feel like there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas that can be borrowed and also being used to advise the new projects so they don't have to go through the 18-month journey, right? Maybe on the on the start, that's the blueprint we can hand, hand to them. And that's exactly precisely the kind of insights we want to get. And the, we can use that to help to, to grow this uh, ecosystem. So thank, thank you so much.
0: Yes, indeed. Super thankful and excited. Uh, Rem, you want to say hi?
10: Hi guys. Uh, thanks, Shikai. Thanks Thanks to all of the panelists. I really came here today to to learn and I think that's one of the the, the most exciting things about this space is sort of that is a continual uh, learning process every day. I mean, I've been in the space for, I guess, seven right now. Um, but uh, Every new day is a, a continuous learning process, and I think what one of my key takeaways from from the call and from sort of continuously kind of looking at uh, different protocols, um, um, uh, experimenting with with governance over the years is that there's no it's there's no single right answer. There's no sort of one size fits all um, uh, uh, so- solution for everyone, and and that echoes into the real world as well. I mean. Uh, thousands of years into human civilization, I don't think there's the correct answer for for what is the right uh, way to govern a nation state, as as uh, as Anthony mentioned as well. So, but I think one thing that is um, super interesting about sort of uh, crypto and, and DeFi is the pace of innovation and the pace of sort of uh, iteration in, in the community. So, whereas um, in in traditional uh, uh, Real-world countries, it might take decades or centuries to to sort of uh, evolve into into a newer governing model. Um, within DeFi, this is something that that can take place over days. And and if you if you see something that that doesn't work, you 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 switch. You you slowly inch towards sort of uh, something that uh, addresses each of the shortcomings uh, one by one. And and I think that is kind of the most exciting for me sort of seeing seeing everybody on a call today from 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 Avid to to balancer to Akala and, and everyone kind of um learning their own lessons and, and iterating at breakback speeds and and i think that's uh sort of the the potential to to iterate and come up with uh with something what' with, with a better way for to to address sort of this new type of organization and, and the way to sort of find a most accepted uh, version of uh, what everybody believes to be fair. Um, that's kind of the, the most interesting part for me to, to be sort of, uh, to be in the space and learn and, and see and iterate. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Remington. It's great to have you here. And so I think we, we kind of have heard from everyone. Thanks so much again for all of you joining us. I think for for me as well, uh, I do think that, you know, we're so early in this space and as everyone has mentioned, there's so much experimentation to be done. And I think at the, at the crux of it, right, the, Something I, I really feel this the vibe and spirit of what everyone's trying to work towards you know is that we have this like, economic coordination mechanism with tokens and with uh, crypto already and uh, that's already equalizing so much opportunity to, to participate and now we're also innovating on the social layer of like how power and like control is actually being uh, opened up to everyone as well to participate in like shaping communities like shaping how people behave and how power is transferred. So this is truly inspiring to me. I really think that uh, the crypto community is at the core of like, disrupting so many models uh, in the world and hopefully bring a lot of good to mankind in general as uh, cliched or <laughs> grandiose that may sound. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a good night.